Hello and welcome to this episode of OC Talks podcast series brought to you by Oncology Central. I'm Jade Parker, Senior Editor of Oncology Central, a free online platform that unites all aspects of oncology to support a multidisciplinary approach to progression of the field. In this episode today of OC Talks, we'll be speaking to Nandita D'Souza from the Institute of Cancer Research to discuss the DISCOVER trial. Thank you for joining us, Nandita. So could you start off by giving us a brief overview of the DISCOVER trial? Okay, so the DISCOVER trial was an imaging biomarker trial in ovarian cancer um, using a quantitative imaging biomarker that we generate with magnetic resonance imaging uh, to assess response. And it was response to standard of care chemotherapy in ovarian cancer. Uh, so ovarian cancer, when it's first diagnosed, is treated with platinum-based chemotherapy. And uh, the disease usually responds extremely well to platinum and taxol. And unfortunately, it then comes back after a while. At that point, patients are re-challenged with platinum therapy and they respond again, hopefully, uh, but less well. And at each time you reintroduce chemotherapy, there's a kind of attrition, as, as it were, so patients respond less and less well with each ongoing cycle of platinum-based chemotherapy. So, until they eventually succumb to their disease. So, the important thing is to be able to introduce newer therapies at a time at which the disease is becoming resistant to platinum because that gives you the best chance of progression-free survival. So, we wanted to know, really, if we could develop a biomarker that told you how well the disease was responding to treatment. So we, we uh, looked at a cohort of treatment-naive and relapsed disease patients, and we did three imaging scans in each of them because we thought it was too much of a burden for patients to have more than three scans. They're usually metastatic disease and quite unwell, and they become even more unwell on the chemotherapy, as you can imagine. Um, when you're doing any kind of quantitation with anything, but particularly imaging, you need to know, if you're making a measurement, how variable that measurement is. Because if you've got a very variable measurement, then it's obviously no good as a response biomarker, because you don't know whether that change is due to actual response or whether it's just variability of the measurement. So. In the treatment-naive patients, i.e. new diagnosis patients, where um, we knew they were going to respond well because um, they usually do respond well to platinum if they've never met it before, we did two examinations at baseline and we used that double baseline examination to assess the variability of the measurement. And then we did one after three cycles of chemotherapy so that we could use that as a, uh, a response uh, in those patients and they had three scans. In the 
patients who got relapsed disease and were being treated for a second or third time with platinum, we scanned them at baseline but only did it once because we got the variability of the measurement from the other cohort. And then we scanned them early, so after one cycle of chemotherapy, and then later after three cycles of chemotherapy. And the reason that we chose the three cycles as the later time point is because in the newly diagnosed patients, they usually have surgery at that point because you give them three cycles, they respond well, and then you take the remainder of the disease out. So we then thought we would have an equivalent time point in the relapsed disease, so they were all being scanned after three cycles. So um, we touched on about the patient response to treatment in that. So could you give us a bit more detail on how this study may aid our understanding of the cancer patient's prog um, prognosis and likely response to treatment? So one of the key things here, which I haven't yet said, is that this was a multi-centre national trial, which CRUK funded. And one of the difficulties with imaging biomarkers is, is that setting standards across multiple institutions and multiple vendor platforms is actually quite difficult. It's, a, it's quite a big mountain that people probably don't appreciate because if I do a scan here and Cambridge does a scan and Newcastle does a scan, you might have very good variability within your own institution, but actually across institutions and across what we call vendor platforms, like if I have a Siemens scanner and some Cambridge has a GE scanner, it, it, the measurement numbers you get out of it can be quite different. So what we wanted to establish first was could we actually do this in a national trial setting? So one of the outputs from this trial was, yes, we could actually, and if we set a standard protocol and performed quality assurance across all the centers, um, and we used not just high-end oncology centers, we had uh, a center at Swansea who uh, are a very robust, but they're not a, um, what shall I say, high-throughput oncology centre. And we had Cambridge, ourselves, Imperial, uh, Swansea and Mount Vernon in this uh, consortium. And we basically had all got different scanners and we established the variability of the measurement, showed that it was, you know, less than 10%, and then we proceeded with the trial. So the response that we got was uh, when we did the measurements was a meaningful value. It wasn't just within the measurement variability. Sorry, so your second, going to your second question, Jade, was yeah. um, how could it help us understand the patient's prognosis? Yeah. Um, and I think the key thing for that is in relapsed disease, is where you, when I say relapsed, when it's come back, is where it's going to be uh, really important because in the treatment naive and newly diagnosed disease, they by and large all respond pretty well. There are, I mean, there are exceptions obviously, but um, they by and large respond well, but in, in relapsed disease, they're now becoming increasingly um, resistant. And if you do a scan early, and this was a key, one of the key findings from the study, if you do a scan early after one cycle of chemotherapy, then the um, increase in the biomarker 
survival afterwards. So if you had a bigger increase in your biomarker, you had a better progression-free survival. Okay, thank you, Nandita. And then how do you hope the DISCOVER trial might affect clinical practice on the front line of care? Okay, so I think there are going to be three areas here. One is um, if you can detect resistance, you can um, change your chemotherapy earlier. So if you, you know, did it after one cycle, you're going, oh, this isn't, we're not seeing anything here. Um, you could change to different chemotherapy, which is what happens usually after you've realized that, um, that, that the treatment's now not working and uh, it's becoming resistant to that particular chemo. Um, the second thing is that often there are differences between the lesions themselves in that you get resistance developing in one lesion, which is not responding, and then the other lesions are doing all right, thank you. So if you've got one lesion that's not responding, you can then go in there and just resect that lesion. Just do a limited surgery to take out, to take out a particular uh, tumor that's not responding. Because, as I should have said at the beginning, in ovarian cancer, they usually present late, and they're usually multiple lesions all spread through the abdomen and pelvis. We're not talking about one lump of cancer. Mm -hmm. We're talking about many, many um, lumps, you know, often dozens of lesions. Okay. And so if you can pinpoint one that's not changing, that will be great, um, because you can then just target that one specifically. And the third thing is um, if you've got a biomarker, you can use it in trials of new agents. So obviously we're always looking for new drugs, and this is, you know, Cancer Research UK also um, always looking for new agents. So Laparib is a, you know, new agent that's used in um, particular um, particular types of ovarian cancer where there's a particular genetic defect. So if you want to know whether your new agents are working, um, then having a, an imaging biomarker to tell you that it is or it isn't and tell you early on would be really, really useful. So that's how I think of those three ways it would impact clinical practice. Okay. And what are the next steps for this trial? So, although I've made it um, sound fairly easy, it's quite um, intensive. So the first thing is um, setting standards, which we've touched on before. I think the next steps are to make sure that we've got standard protocols that are easily um, implementable in multiple centers that are doing ovarian cancer work, that we have um, push out to people that we need to do quality assurance when we are doing, um, when we are doing measurements from imaging and it's not just um, patients don't get any of the images, we have to get quality assured images. Um, and the third thing is automation of some of these processes because you, it is out there, you can do it, you know, with machine learning and auto-segmentation, mm -hmm. but me and my clinical fellows sitting there drawing around every single lesion that we see is um, very intensive and also can be error-prone. So if you can get a, um, a system whereby 
it can be automatically segmented by, by computer software that recognizes the lesion and just segments it out, gives you the data. That would be a fantastic thing to do. Um, yeah. Looking towards the future, what further advances do you hope to see with respect to, say, magnetic resonance and um, cancer imaging in general in the coming few years? So we're always looking for um, <laughs> betterment in every um, avenue. So firstly, is better resolution. So for uh, when I say res, I mean spatial resolution. Um, when we are looking at um, the whole abdomen and pelvis, we've got to cover sort of from the diaphragm to the top of the abdomen to the pelvic floor. That's a lot of coverage uh, in magnetic resonance imaging. And to do that, um, we basically lose re resolution. We haven't got very high resolution images. And um, that's a problem when you're looking at tiny, tiny deposits in ovarian cancer. So improving the resolution would be the first thing. You can always improve resolution, but it comes at a cost, and that is that is time. Because if you want to do a high-res thing, you just have to scan and scan and scan for ages. And if you've got um, an unwell patient with lots of tumour in their abdomen, lying flat on their back, and you're think, saying to them, look, you have to lie here for 45 minutes, very still, without moving, it's um, really quite uncomfortable and not really tolerable. So having faster scan times would be uh, another huge thing. Um, and then, you know, uh, the other thing that's very difficult is motion control because patients do actually move during the scans and we have to um, adjust them. So you can have different methods of registering the images so that you get rid of all the non-registered motion and can actually uh, segment out the lesions more easily. We've talked about the auto-segmentation. And then there are newer things that are coming along which are, you know, fuse MRI with um, what's um, improvements in MRI with improvements in surgery. And I don't know if you've seen this HoloLens thing that's being launched by by Google uh, this weekend in some London store, oh, but you can you, there are medical applications for this. And actually, if you get these lesions segmented out, you can then project them as a hologram for surgical planning purposes. And you know, if you saying, okay, this lesion's responding, this lesion's resistant, and you can show that to your surgeons in a color display with a sort of head up virtual reality hologram mm. and they can then plan what is actually very intensive and difficult surgery um, it would improve surgical times and you know morbidity and so on for the patients so I think there's a lot that can be done going forward and it is actually exciting time yeah that sounds really exciting I'm going to have a look out for that um at the weekend did you have anything else that you wanted to add to the interview? Any sort of closing comments? No, only that, you know, it's taken a lot of cooperation from many different specialists um, in many different in areas of skill, like surgeons, pathologists, imagers, inform informatics people, um, technical people who've done all the quality assurance and all the physicists at, at multiple centres through 
throughout the UK and actually to have that funding from CRUK and to have achieved it, to bring together such different disciplines um, nationally, it's been quite an exciting challenge and, and an enjoyable one and just shows that you know people could learn each other's disciplines and work yeah. together. That sounds fantastic. Thank you, Nandita. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today on this OC Talks episode. But you can find out more about the Discover Our Trial by clicking the links below. Also, don't forget to check out our content on oncologycentral.com and our social media handles at Oncology Central on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn and at Jade Beth Parker. Thank you.